0: Listen, uh speaking of spring, I wanted to show you guys something that uh I started gardening last year just to see if I could do it and uh And this year, I thought, you know what I'm not buying those no seven dollar plants I'm going to grow my own, right So I bought some seeds and and bought some stuff and I want you guys to look at something. Do you guys see a difference in them too? Right? All right, I want you guys to understand both of these came from the same packet of seeds. Both of these were planted on February 24th, same day. They they all entered life the same way for the first few weeks. Um, There was only one difference, and that was the container that after a few weeks, I started noticing that, that the roots were growing out of the small one. And I, so I thought, I need to put them in a bigger container. They're getting a little too comfortable where they're at. Right? So I had to move them somewhere where they wasn't so comfortable into new ground. Um, and you know what happened when I put them in new ground? They grew. When I put them in a place that, that they wasn't used to, um, they grew. So you see that, that if you, we can all begin in the same spot. But if we don't, every now and then, put ourselves somewhere where we're uncomfortable, or if we don't put ourselves somewhere new, uh, in unfamiliar surroundings, you know what's going to happen? We're going to stay just like this. Now, I, I know you guys are looking at it and you're going, well, that's okay, one's just bigger than the other, it's not, it's not a big deal, you know? But I want you to understand that this one is not, this one's not only not growing, but you know what will happen if I leave it just like that? It's going to die. You know why? Because it was never meant to stay that size. That is a tomato plant. It was, it was not meant to stay just in its own little surrounding, and it was never meant to stay that small. It was meant to mature. It was meant to grow to its full capacity and then produce what? Fruit, right? Much like us. So, you know, we started last week on a series called Uncomfortable. And there's lots of different directions we could go with that. And, and last week we've seen where sometimes it, it will spend time with Jesus, but then we will We will fall back in to our old comfortable, our old norms, our old way of life. Um, But this week, I wanted us to kind of look at, because I'm still setting up, I still want us to see um, that if we don't grow, if we don't put ourselves in uncomfortable situations, we're going to die. We're going to die spiritually. Uh, We're not going to produce anything. So I wanted to spend a few weeks kind of, Kind of making sure that we understand that, that we get that, right? Uh, and I just happened to be sitting at the, at the table this morning, drinking my coffee, and I looked over at my plants and I thought, you know, how how fitting is that for this morning? Uh, to show how things sometimes have to be, and here's even the crazy thing, all, all these plants I'm also having to put outside every day for a little bit each day, because I'm trying to harden them off, Right? Now, any of you that doesn't know what that means, i got to toughen them up. These plants are kind of sissies, right? right? They, they've just lived inside the house. They've never got out where, where it's tough. And uh, you got to toughen them up a little bit to be able to withstand some stuff. So it's just like us, right? So that's where we're at today. I want us to see the, maybe the repercussions of um, not putting ourselves out there. Where we're uncomfortable, and and there's a word that, that kind of keeps coming to mind when I think about us having to get into uncomfortable situations, um, just like with just like with a few years ago, you know, when when I felt like God was saying, "Hey, maybe, maybe you need to go into ministry," you know, maybe you need maybe you need to do something more. I, I got to tell you, that was very uncomfortable, right? But but again. There was this little thing that that just kind of kept reassuring me. Uh, And it wasn't anything that you could see. Um, It was faith. Right? Every time I come up uh, on something that scares me, that makes me feel uncomfortable, faith is what allows me to continue to do it. Um the first time I ever stepped up upon this platform to, to speak. Uh, and, that, and that's a scary thing. Because when we step up here, we're speaking for what God wants to say. And that's a scary thing, right? But faith, faith says no. If, if I've called you to do it, you're, 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 yours isn't to worry. Yours is to just be obedient. So, but enough of that. If you would, turn with me. To Hebrews chapter 10. Now, for some of you that have been in church for a while, I said go to Hebrews chapter 10. Does anybody know what Hebrews chapter 11 is? What is that chapter about? The Hall of Faith, right? The Hall of Faith. It just goes through a list of, of men and women. That just exercised faith throughout history, right? Uh, and you know what else we could say is is that these were men and women that that at times put themselves in very uncomfortable situations, right? So I was I was looking at that that hall of faith. But then I kind of, I wanted to back back up to to Hebrews chapter 10 because Paul does something here. We think that it was Paul that wrote Hebrews. Um, Because this kind of sets up, this kind of sets up the hall of faith. Um, This maybe kind of gives the precursor of why these people could do what they did. Right? And I think it'd be good for us today to hear maybe that precursor, because at some point in our lives, we hope that we become in that hall of faith. Amen? Now, we're not going to make it into scripture. That's been closed. But God still has plans for us, and he still wants us to leave a legacy uh, to the people around us, namely our families. Right? So, I want us to kind of back up and in, in Hebrews chapter 10, Paul kind of, Paul's talking about, it even kind of talks about uh, the death of Jesus. And that's how he's setting this up. He's saying, uh, you know, that the animal sacrifices, they were insufficient, right? We know that that is why Jesus came. We know that's why Easter took place, was because throughout time, all of the animal sacrifices, they were insufficient. To save us, right? Animal sacrifices was never going to completely take the sin away from us. It was never truly going to correct the problem between us and God. Never was it ever going to do that. But God was giving us a glimpse throughout history of how it was going to be taken care of one day. And that was through Jesus. And Paul goes on to write, starting in verse 5, he says, Christ's death fulfills God's will he's telling us that listen the animal sacrifices wasn't enough but Christ's death is how God was going to fulfill it Christ's death was how he was going to repair the relationship between us and God it also says kind of in verse 11 if you're using the New King James it it also kind of gives a heading that Christ's death perfects the sanctified and that's that's kind of that. Um, that's kind of that hall of faith. That's that's because we need to understand that not only are we just saved, we are saved from something, right? What are we saved from? Sin, death, hell, right? Hell, eternity away from God. That's what awaits us. But we see. That when we, when we trust in Jesus, hmm, when we trust in Jesus, everything changes. All of a sudden, we become a child of God in that moment, right? We become a child of God, but it's, it's not as if God goes, he just said yes, let's swoop him up now, Right? how many of you guys in here were saved and you're still here after you were saved? Raise your hand. Right? Trying to give you something easy, get you warmed up, right? Listen, God saves us, but then all of a sudden we're still here. You see, there's a process. It's kind of like, hey, you're my child. It's kind of like being adopted, right? And isn't it funny that, that Scripture would use those terms a lot? That when we believe in Jesus, that when we begin following Jesus, all of a sudden we are adopted into God's family. Now, when we're adopted into God's family, do we exactly know how to live that way yet? You see, I want you guys to think right now that if if you went out and you went out and adopted somebody right now, if you adopted a new kid, let's say about three years old, four years old, would that kid know how to live in your family? Oh, what would you do? You would teach him or her. You would teach him how to live in your family. You would teach him the ways and, and the way you want him to grow up to be, right? You know, I, we were even kind of talking this morning that, that uh, you know, when kids are growing up, we're not, we're not just hoping that they survive, Right? We're not just hoping that they survive and that they make it, although sometimes you think that about your kids. You think, you may not survive tomorrow. You keep it up and it, this may be it for you, right? How I of mean, you guys ever heard, you know, the mama saying, hey, I brought you into this world, I'll take you out, right? And if you're a good mom, you've said that a few times because you discipline your kids right but but god does that that there is a i'm going to save you from something but now i'm going to save you to something or something right now god can be all of those because to be quite honest god is saving us from who from god his wrath His judgment of sin, it is God that that puts the wrath upon the people because he has to judge sin if he's a good judge. So he saves us from himself and he saves us for something, which is sanctification, which is teaching us how to live in his family for something, and that's for his glory, not our own. right. So sanctification is in there now. So so Paul's kind of saying, listen. Animal sacrifices wasn't going to do it. It's going to take Jesus. I've sent Jesus. He's enough. And now also Christ's death is going to perfect you. Christ's death is going to um, to help you grow. Right when Jesus said He must go, so that who would come? Anybody remember the Holy Spirit? Right, because back in the day Jesus could only be with a few people at at a time. Right, but once Jesus went to the right hand of the Father and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of His children, then guess what? Then we all, then we all have have uh, the essence of God with us. We all we all have God with us, you know, through the Holy Spirit. So that he can teach me while he's teaching you. He can correct me while he's correcting you. Right? So that's what he's saying in this. Is that Christ's death is going to perfect us. And it says we know this. So how many of us in here. And you don't have to raise your hands for this. uh, But how many of us know Jesus. Follow Jesus. And Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Now, I want you to just quietly kind of say in your head, that's me. Now, if that's not you, keep listening. okay? But if that's you, then here's who he's kind of talking to. And I'm going to go ahead and begin in verse 19. Paul says, Therefore, brethren... And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So Paul is saying, listen, if that is you that believe that, understand that because we've got to go back to the animal sacrifices. Every year, listen, what they do is they'd, they'd sacrifice the lamb without a blemish. And who would get to go into the holiest of holies? You see, God kind of resided, and I know it's crazy, he resided in a tent back then. He resided in the very back room of the tent with a veil there. And there was only one person that could go into that. And it was the, the one that would, would carry the blood in there of the lamb and sacrifice the lamb. He was the only one that could go in. And to be quite honest, they, sometimes they tie a rope on him in case that he died in there in the presence of God so they could pull him back out because nobody else could go in there. You see, but it says when Jesus died upon the cross, we have been sprinkled with his blood. We have we've been cleansed. We are clean. And now we can go through that veil. You guys remember that when Jesus died upon the cross, it said the veil was torn right? That that was the door into the holiest of holies. All of a sudden, that was torn. Now, every one of us that believe, every one of us that is a follower of Jesus gets what? We get to go into the holiest of holies with God. Not just one man, one time a year. We, as children of God, get to go to the Father. We get to walk into the holiest of holies, and that is what Paul is saying here. He's saying, listen, that's what we get to do. So let us hold fast that confession of our hope. And what is our hope? Our hope is Jesus. He is the one that tore the veil. He's the one that allows us to go in and spend time with God. If not, we would still be enemies of God. But He allows us to go in and be children of God. So He's saying, let's hold on to that hope and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. And let us not forsake the assembly. What are we doing today? We're assembling and we're not forsaking it, right? You see, we need reminders. Why do we come to church? Because we need reminders of what took place for us. We need to stir one another up to love. We need to stir one another up to good works. You know why? Because left on our own, we would not love, and we would be up to some bad works on our own. So he goes on and Paul goes on to tell us how we are to live. So now that we know this and now that we assemble and. But how do we live? How do we live in this uncomfortableness and and how do we live if if we don't if we don't get into this uncomfortableness, what's going to happen? Paul goes on to tell us that and he says, verse 26, for if we sin willfully. After we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries, anyone who has rejected Moses' law without mercy on the testimony of two, dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much more punishment do you suppose will be, will he be thought? Worthy, who was trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Paul's saying, listen, if you have come to the knowledge of who Jesus is, and you say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, but you choose not to grow closer to Jesus, but you choose to just kind of hang out, and he's saying, here's what you do. You are trampling the Son of God under your foot. You are taking what Jesus did for you just as common. I mean, even when we say that, I mean, when we stand up here and I say, Jesus died for you, and you go, yeah, I know that. No, you don't. If you knew it, we would probably be weeping every Sunday. I mean, it just, sometimes it just doesn't seem quite real to us. Now, if all of a sudden me and Steve were up here at the church and we were working, and all of a sudden something went to happen and he pushed me out of the way and Steve dies, he saved me. Now, we would understand that, right? Because all of a sudden somebody would say, man, Steve Steve saved you by him dying. What would happen then? We'd probably weep, wouldn't we? Because again, we'd understand that he gave his life for me. I think of the, of Anthony and Ron and all those firemen. That if my house was on fire, you know what they would do? They would run into it. While, while all the rest of us would be trying to run out of it, they would run into it trying to save me. And if it meant their life, they would try that. Right? Now think about that. Think of, of being in a fiery building and all of a sudden... They come in and they save you and they get you out, but then they die in the process. Now, here's what Paul's saying that we do. It would be like we would walk up to you and go, hey, hey, Rick, you know, man, Anthony and Ron, they, they lost their lives saving you a year ago, didn't they? Yep, sure did. And then you go on, right? We're, we're making it common, we're, we're making it, as a matter of fact, yeah, Jesus died for me. Yeah, as a matter of fact, you know, he was, he was going through some tough things and, and he endured the cross for me, yeah, so that I could live, so that I could choose to do what I want to do. Paul is saying, hmm, hmm. goes back to Moses he says you know what if you broke one law of Moses's and two or three witnesses was there you would die and if you think that's bad punishment what do you think is going to happen to the person that knows that Jesus Christ died for them and they still go out and sin as if there is no God what do you think is going to happen to them I think it's when scripture says hey don't fear the one that can kill you in this body that's just this life. Fear the one that can take you in the next one. Because this one, this one's just a blip on the screen. The next one's eternity. And Paul is saying that if you take that and you hear that and, and, you, and you say that you believe that and you say that you are a follower of that, that you follow Jesus because he died for you, And you come to church because he died for you. But it's all for show. You are trampling the son of God. Now, I want you to imagine for a minute, all right? I want you to think, God, the one that created all the earth, the one that gave us breath, the one that scooped up dirt and was able to breathe life into you and I, the one that makes the sun rise every morning, the one that keeps the earth spinning right where it's at, the one that sits outside of all that. The one that sits out of time and space. The creator of everything. You. Are trampling on him. On his son. You know you've heard the story of of the judge that's about to execute the man and. And he's about to sentence him to death. And, and all of a sudden, a guy, he goes, hold up. You know what? Uh, you're not going to die. I've got a way to fix this. So He tells the young man in the back to stand up. And he says, come forward. And he says, you're going to take his place. He was going to hang tomorrow. But I'm going to let him go free because I love him. You're going to take his place, and you know who he's talking to? He's talking to his son. now, you got the judge going to let this man that is guilty go free and he's going to put his son in his place. How do you think that that judge feels the next day when somebody says, "Man, I cannot believe that he would let his son die in your place." Oh yeah, yeah it was man, that wasn't that great? what what do you do with that I just believed it it was great I'm going to show up every now and then to his court just to see how things are going right how do you think that judge would feel if you was the judge how would you feel then you're taking the blood of that son and you're going it's really nothing his life really wasn't nothing as a matter of fact it was just kind of common it was just common. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, man, oh, how much more punishment do you suppose will be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant, the blood of the promise by which he has sanctified. You call it a common thing. You have insulted the spirit of grace. Grace. see, God wants us to be saved. He wants us to fully understand that and he wants us to grasp that. And that's why, that's why even in his word he says, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord. It means wake up every day knowing that you're being able to breathe today because of him. Wake up every day knowing that if you did not wake up this morning, that you would be with Jesus and that you would be there for eternity. That you would see no wrath of God. He's saying, understand that. And if you do truly understand that, you put yourself into some uncomfortable situations because of that. Because now no longer is your life your own. Right? If he paid for it. Whose life is it? His. To put you anywhere he sees fit. And to kind of kind of tell you how you ought to act. Peter. And I think it's first or second Peter, he says, be holy, for I am holy. Jesus says, listen, I'm going to save you, but we're not done. You're going to be in heaven one day, and I need you to learn how to live that way. <clears throat> he said, not only do I want you saved, but I want you holy. See, Paul goes on to say, he says, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. If you see The blood of his son is common if you have trampled his son underfoot. He says, but I don't want you doing that. Verse 32, he says, but here's what you should do. He says, but recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me and my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which, was, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry, Now the just shall live by faith, and if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back perdition. but we are those who believe to the saving of the soul. Paul is saying, you need to go back to the moment you were saved. You need to go back there all the time. Because the moment you're saved you ask for forgiveness you realize how wretched you are and how holy God is in that moment and you need to go back there all the time. Because you being so wretched Him being so holy He made the way for you to get to Him. You did nothing to make your way to God. Nothing. He came in the flesh to this earth to save you and I we did nothing but believe what he did for us right so in that it says for you had now let's back up it says but recall the former days after you were illuminated after you realized who Jesus was you endured great struggle with sufferings partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated so i'm going to say that if you if you came to know jesus and you have not went through anything For the cause of Jesus, if you've never never had a door slammed in your face, if you've never been made feel to feel bad because you believe in Jesus, if you have never suffered any type of persecution for Jesus, you probably don't know Jesus. If you've never had to give up anything for Jesus, as a matter of fact, if you think that your life is better because you know Jesus or because you go to church. And now your business can be a little bit better because you can, you can network. You probably don't know Jesus. If you know Jesus, you have given up something. If you've never given up something for Jesus, you're not following Jesus. I don't know who you're following, but it's not Jesus. You with me? Even if you don't like it, are you with me? Because Jesus said, those that are going to come after me, you've got, to, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to deny yourself. And you've got to take up your cross daily. If you're not giving up something today, if you're not sacrificing, if you're not feeling uncomfortable about some of the things that you're doing, you don't know Jesus, you're not following Jesus if if you're not feeling uncomfortable about the way you're stewarding his money, that's right, I said his money it's not ours. If our life is not ours, our money surely isn't. Can you agree with me on that I mean How much of a fool have you got to be to say that our lives are Jesus's but our money's ours? So all this stuff I I, I get to keep and I want and I'm going to strive after because he wants me to have it. I don't know who you're following, but it ain't Jesus. He wants us to be uncomfortable. You ever put your kids in uncomfortable situations? But dad, I don't want to do that. Come on, son. You need to do it. I don't want to do it. I'm, I'm scared. You need to do it. How many times do we tell our kids, you're going to be okay? You know why? Because we see ahead. We, we know that they need that when they're grown. God does the same thing to us. He says, hey, I'm going to put you through this, and you've got to go through it. Yeah, but I don't want to, father. You've got to go through it because I know you're going to need it when you are fully mature. You're going to need it. You're going to have to be a little bit uncomfortable now so that you're really comfortable later. I need you a little bit uncomfortable in this life so that you can have everything in the next one. I need you to give up some things in this life because I'm going to give you everything in the next one. I need you to give up some things now for some other people. If you're really going to follow me, I need you to lay down your life for some other folks. Yeah, but they're mean to me. Yep. Mm. (laughs) They don't treat me right. Doesn't matter. I want you to love them. I've called you to them I want you to love them that means I'm going to have to give up some things yep I'm asking you to do it for me not for them because I love them and you do too you just don't know it yet right (sighs) says because he's coming therefore do not cast away your confidence because our confidence in Jesus gives us a great reward and our confidence in Jesus we've got to have we've got to have it once you to think about this your confidence in Jesus may be just so that you can pass it on to your son or your daughter, so that they can pass it on to their grand, your grandbabies, just so that when the persecution comes to this country, because it's coming, rest assured it's coming, and you and I, we may not see it, but our grandbabies probably will. Maybe your whole job was to be confident and to live right so that you could teach your son, so that you can teach your daughter, so that you grandbabies don't go through that, so that they can hang on to the confidence. It's easy for us to hang on to it right now, but it's going to be hard for them. Therefore, do not cast away our confidence in Jesus, because it's got great reward. And you could fill in and, and, and chat in verse 6 it says because your offspring your children they're going to need it so that when they've also done the will of God that they will receive it, the reward also it says the just shall live by faith if anyone draws back my soul has no pleasure in him Jesus says, I'm going to save you and I'm going to give you everything you need to grow. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you peace in, in when you're in the uncomfortable situations, but I need you to do it. Don't draw back. It says that those that do not draw back, he finds pleasure in. Those that draw back from that, Jesus finds no pleasure in that. No pleasure. So my prayer for us today is that we as a church we would believe verse 39 that you would believe verse 39 that we'd say but we are not of those who draw back to perdition but we are of those who believe to the saving of the soul That's my prayer for us. We know who Jesus is. We know what he did for us. And our lives are going to look like it. We are not going to draw back. We're not going to slow down. We're not going to be quiet. We're going to go out and we're going to proclaim Jesus because everybody needs Jesus. Right? If you've been saved by Jesus, you need to know that. And you need to to believe that other people need that. But if we are going to be a people that do not draw back, here's what we have to be. We have to be people that's comfortable with the uncomfortable situations. We have to be a people that that, that we're okay with being uncomfortable. Whether it be in in our relationships, whether it be in in our leading, in our teaching, whether it be in our finances, whether it be in the stuff that we have, We're okay with trusting God to make us through the week. We're okay with that in everything. That's what I hope for us. Let's pray.